In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. Podcast. I'm Conlon. I'm Nathan. And we are currently watching network television because me and Nathan do not watch network television. We are watching season one of The Blacklist, which started airing in 2014. Nope, 13. The date changed over in the, the, the show. Oh. We're watching <laughs> we're watching season two of The Mentalist, which started airing in 2009. And we're watching season two of Miami Vice, which started airing in 1985. And as always, we start with a blacklist. We have season one, episode 12, The Alchemist. For some reason, for this show, I always wanted to read it as The Alchemist. Um, when do they say it? When they talk about like the practice of alchemy, I've heard it say he's practicing alchemical. Uh, what is it? Alchemic? It's, it's such a weird, it's an arcane word. Yeah. yeah. He's using alchemical processes. But yes. in, every, <laughs> in every other context, it's always The Alchemist. And I always yeah. think about people like, is that trying to turn lead into gold? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Number 101, which seems like a special number, so they use it here. Yeah. <laughs> which it really isn't. I don't know. I guess he's a nerd, so that's all right. Anyways, original air date, January 20th, 2014, NBC Monday. As Red enlists active, activist whistleblowers in his search for the mole, Liz pursues a deranged scientist who has helped dozens of criminals escape by engineering and killing their genetic doubles. Showrunner John Bokenkamp, written by Anthony Sparks and directed by Vincent Massano. Massiano. Yeah, it's probably Massiano. This show picks up immediately where we left off from the last episode. Yeah. Where Red and Liz are talking. Red tells of the of the alchemist and who he's been hired to kill a mob informant. A Serbian get... mob informant. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't make that. Is there a specific reason for that? No, it's just extra evil. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice detail. It's better yeah. than just a mob informant. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, we always assume that like the guys with accents are like way worse than our mob people. <laughs> yeah. so our mob people are like Tony Soprano, the anti-hero. <laughs> but you know, Glovlev Lajivsky, the, the you know Russian whatever mobster is like, oh, oh yeah, that's like Eastern promises. Like, oh, these people <laughs> just strip your skin off while you're alive to. Yeah, yeah, those are the mob people. You yeah, these are all the crimes aren't being filmed, so it's left to your horrible imagination. Right, right. Because <laughs> a bunch of guys driving down the street with machine guns—that's that's American crime. We get that, <laughs> but this like deeply personal crime from the former Soviet bloc is extra scary in people's <laughs> imagination and in reality too. I mean, they're yeah, the Tony Soprano guys—you can at least like gauge their depth. It's like I don't want problems with that guy. But it's like, you know, the, the level of evil there doesn't seem as sinister or deep. So, yeah, that's why they do that. I have think. you ever seen have you ever seen that video where the Mexican government like takes down these drug dealers with an Apache helicopter? Yes. Yes. That <laughs> that shows you, how, shows you how frightening an Apache helicopter is. Oh, yeah. To civilian vehicles. <laughs> yeah. It's like nothing. 
It's like a mouse attacking a like a gorilla. It's it's just like <laughs> there's no chance you can defeat. I mean, those things have been around forever, and they're still like that's the premier kill copter in the world. Yeah, well, if you're not going up against somebody who does, are you going up against somebody who doesn't have an air force? Yeah, it's death. <laughs> but they got lots of dangerous people and lots of guns. But if you got air superiority, <laughs> but I've never seen like I mean, I've seen stuff with Apache helicopters. Usually, it's all test footage. Yeah, uh, I've never really seen like in combat stuff, and so here's like an Apache helicopter in a non-combat zone. Yeah, <laughs> taking on a drug dealer. Yep, <laughs> that's hardcore. <laughs> Yeah, that's like that's no holds barred. I mean, it's <laughs> that's just like the that's a that's a level of commitment. And it's almost like Black Hawk Down stuff. Like I don't even remember like the beginning of that. Like they, you know, they're flying the Blackhawks and like they shoot like the guy's engine block and they take him in. Like and like that is so tame to just this like closed circuit footage of this like truck just getting lit up on Apache helicopter. And uh, just the gun, no missiles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they emptied out a rocket pod, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, just the, just the gun on the front is like, oh, it just it incinerates the vehicle. Like, there's, uh, I don't know what kind of guns those have, but for, from that video, I remember, you know, that weird effect you get when metal really slams into metal hard and it looks like fireworks. Yeah, and it's not like ammunition cooking off or something. It's just like the metal exploding from the impact like when tanks get hit by other tanks and you see yeah. this burning that looks like welding it's like oh yeah that's a lot of destructive power anyways so we, we cut to a scene where like a lady i i yeah she's being drugged i think i confused the guy here is the alchemist and i believe in this scene because like the next scene it's like this the couple wake up and i was like oh were they both in that previous scene and like i don't think they were no it was so confusing I, though i had to go back and look and like Oh, yeah. Okay. I see what's going on. Yeah. They're different people. So, yeah. Some couple wake up after being drugged and they're on a plane and they don't know who they themselves are. And they're and in like weird they're... pain <laughs> because she's like, my teeth, they hurt. And and he's like, I feel weird. Why are you calling me Piotr or something? That's not my name. And it's he's like, I don't have tattoos. <laughs> yeah. He's covered with tattoos. It's like, I don't know who I am. And then there's just some like, jovial like almost like librarian it's like oh my guys he just jumps out of the air yeah i'm your pilot <laughs> hang on and he just like leaps out of the airplane and you see the dead pilots in the in the, in the background yeah and then the, and then the plane crashes i think that's credits <laughs> yeah uh, and we find out like yeah these people are like doppelgangers not like completely because there's always that thing like there's so you know with blood tests there's like a one in a billion chance that you have the same genetic code as someone else in the world yeah um, so i thought that's what it was going to be but it's not but yeah he finds people that he can make close enough so that when he fakes their death all the forensic uh tests they use will come up as like yes this is officially that person so yeah he basically looks like he takes he does stuff with their teeth and to make their dental records match and then he looks at x-rays of the people and any injuries or wounds they have like he duplicates yeah, and then it gets into real alchemy where he's like, and he uses <laughs> fake DNA and fake blood to to make the blood seem like the person who's he's, supposed to die. They they call it synthetic DNA. Yeah, it's like I didn't uh, look up. That's, that's yeah. probably a real thing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to accept that and move on. Um. <laughs> because this is like one of the worst. Uh, the alchemist is like one of the worst people I've seen on the blacklist. 
uh, show because he is, this is a hardcore lunatic. We'll talk about what happens later, but it's like, oh, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Red has his own organization looking for the mole. WikiLeaks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Essentially. Which I, yeah. Reading the description, I was like, oh, that's what they are. I thought he like assembled the team, but apparently they were just already working on stuff. And he's just like, no, he's trying to help Julian Assange get out of the, um, ecuadorian embassy i mean he doesn't say any of this but that's what it's it's like the he, red's using them with the pretext that he can get their leader out of an embassy is like okay i know who this is which is fun it's yeah. funny yeah it's it's peter madrichik is the mob guy yeah uh, although that name is spelled very weird <laughs> lots of extra letters c z y k yeah an r with no like you know. peter with the but it looks like piter yeah Piotr. <laughs> And then Red and Liz like meet in a Jewish temple. Yes. Uh, uh, and this is where he's trying to convince her like that. Oh, this guy's my competition. Like we need to take him out. <laughs> yeah, he disappears he, people too, but he does it more thoroughly. Yeah, he's an artist at it. More darkly. And then there's like a just a weird thing where Red's like just like dalliance of indulgence that he's expressing to other people he's like try the fertilized duck eggs like you'll die if you're like you've gone to hell yeah i, I like the <laughs> redisms in this it's like i was thinking i was wait, i was i was hoping for when he was talking about eating the fertilized duck eggs i thought he was going to describe it as like it's an odd experience but one you must have you know kind, kind of like all oh, those rich guys are like yeah eat the crazy stuff and he's like no it's as horrible as it sounds but you need to do it you know it's a, it'll taste good and you'll feel bad about it yeah <laughs> and we'll all go to hell together yeah we're all holding hands it's, it's like the and, with anthony bourdain thing with like suckling fetal pig that's that's like it's the tenderest meat and it's like oh that's it's bad enough you know just you're gonna slaughter something and make bacon out of it can you let at least it be a baby do we have to eat a baby because that's what you're talking about eating a baby it's like okay but it's a baby pig this is things rich that, people come up with yeah, or there's that weird one where it's like, it's basically like a, a bird that's fried alive. <laughs> yeah, that's the one you eat under a shroud so God can't yeah. see you doing it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's fried alive in butter because yeah, it does yeah. like, its fear response does something that makes it taste good. And it's like, oh, this is too dark. No, no. Uh. Which I first heard about that in an episode of um Hannibal so yeah it's real Bourdain talked about it too I've I've heard it on his when he was doing his food his other food show before CNN the even more sinister and sarcastic one um <laughs> we have the um the uh, post office team at the bar and <laughs> wrestlers talking about his ex because yep. apparently the, the guy she's engaged to is apparently he's just a real tool and so <laughs> yeah uh, he calls him tassels yeah, because he has tassels on his shoes. And he's like a DJ or something. He's some millennial DJ. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, he's like basically like, well, we're at a bar. Let's just have some real talk, even though like they're supposed to be undercover. Um, and then Peter shows up. He's alive, um, which the whole team is kind of caught off guard by because they're like, ah, this isn't true. This guy's actually dead. And they're like, oh, I guess it is true, which is weird. It's like if he's supposed to be like off the grid, like why is he just hanging out in a bar? Yeah. Uh, apparently, I don't know there's some stuff later on that they mentioned. I probably missed it, but like their flight out or whatever got delayed, so that's why they're hanging around still. Which I don't know that that probably could have been orchestrated by Red. There's a lot of things in this episode. I'm like, I'm wondering if Red's involved somehow. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, yeah, Peter runs, uh, and the team catch him. We have another like Liz and Tom talk, and they like mend their relationship like they do every episode. <laughs> yeah, every episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then the 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 wife of Peter shows up. I don't, I didn't get her name. I missed it. Uh, and she's talking to the alchemist. Uh, and he's like trying to get like, hey, who would you tell anybody about this? And she's like, nobody. He's like, who's your lawyer? And she says a lawyer name, and he just shoots her in the head. Yeah, and you know, and then there's she lands on some plastic so he can just roll her up and throw her away or whatever. Yeah, very uh, locks or uh, snatch style. He's yeah. just got the plastic taped up, ready to go, or ready to go. It's like, yeah, you know, you're gonna die. And then the, the alchemist shows up as Peter's lawyer and poison him, poisons him. But it's kind of fun because like it's like how does his wife know him, but he didn't see him. I guess you know she made the arrangements or something. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's funny because he knows it's like, oh, this isn't my lawyer. Get my lawyer. And he's like berating him. So like it seems like the alchemist is like, oh, I get to enjoy this kill. <laughs> yeah. And he uses like a that there's a fun scene where also like wrestler. He asked a uh, wrestler for a smoke, the Peter guy. And he's like, yeah, I have a cigarette. They're my cigarettes. Yeah. No cigarettes <laughs> for you unless you talk. <laughs> Apparently he knew that this guy had like a. Yeah, because he has to know everything about them so he can fake the death and all their, you know. He probably, you know, the person that died in the plane crash, he probably, like, put some nicotine in their body and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, this is an unusual MO. He has a a nicotine gum thing that uh, ends up killing him. Yes. Well, actually, they, uh, I mean, we assume he's dead. There is a thing where, like, they call for an ambulance, and we just never see him come back alive, but... We just assume. I'm assuming dead. if the alchemist guy gave him poison, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we get some back, some more backstory on the alchemist, and apparently he was like a med school dropout who like forged his qualifications. Yeah, so he could get <laughs> access, work at the Euro- German genome project or something. Yeah, yeah, which is weird because it seems like he's good at stuff, but also not good at stuff, and there's no really like explained reason. <laughs> I think it's because he's so arrogant. He's just like, oh, I know it already, or yeah, or maybe he's just. I mean, he's obviously extremely intelligent, and maybe school just wasn't his. It's like I already know this. It's like a waste of my time to, yeah, because he's ultimately he's he's a deeply evil man. Yeah, uh, b- both you know in obvious and subtle ways, but but he wasn't exposed. Like he got to work on all this like high end like medical stuff or what we assume to be that's how they they kind of but like he apparently probably got a bunch of money acting as a DNA expert for like a mob yeah and the and they discredited him they exposed him yeah. as a fraud yeah <laughs> not the mob but the the prosecutors then it seemed like they found out it's like oh his qualifications are forged they just the evidence was um like forged or whatever. Yeah. I forget the name for that. <laughs> but yeah, so they thought he was dead. They thought he was dead because he goes missing. So they, they just assumed the mob killed him. But that's where he, I guess, where it's where he started his job of disappearing people, but very elaborately. Yeah. And then Liz meets the, the alchemist's family. His name's, uh, at the top here, Treader. Eric Treadle. Treadle, yeah. And, you know, we find out the daughter's diabetic. So obviously that's going to be a clue later on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was just introduced that she had some machine on her. Yeah, it looks like a pager with like some headphones plugged into it but like i don't know that could be a real thing for all i know yeah so. I, I don't know i thought yeah you, she had you like, she like... had an insulin pump so. yeah i didn't know they did it that way maybe they do yeah i don't know i thought you just took shots or something i don't know yeah but if it really yeah I, they do have like uh, they do have an insulin pump if it just needs to be constantly oh okay I'm trying to think i think it's uh, that might actually be how like that that tim ferris guy did his 
four hour body book is he got one of these installed, I think. Oh, okay. And so he monitored like what his body, what happened to his body with like all the food he intook and stuff like that. Hmm. And so that's where he figured out how to do the diet. Oh, okay. now he says like that's what worked for him. It's not necessarily what works for everybody, but on a general thing, that's why the diet works because he he went the extra mile to have an insulin monitor installed. Okay, huh. <laughs> uh, which I'm I, which I'm assuming you can also uninstall it. So yeah, he did a lot of crazy things that like only rich people can do. But yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> to monitor your body like that. Bought ten thousand dollars worth <laughs> of specialized monitoring equipment. Oh, he got like. You can do like these, like, I'm not sure if it's MRI, MRI, but it's like something similar where it does a body scan of you and you can determine like where fat and muscle is all over your body, but incredibly accurately. So you can realize like, oh, I need to work more on this muscle group with, you know, spending $20,000 on an MRI. <laughs> That's the kind of thing rich people can do. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're living forever, drinking, um, drinking, young, or getting injected with young people's blood. Yeah, all that stuff. Well, that's old because we're remember, like that's um in that Rise and Kill First book. There's like that like Swedish lady who's involved in oh, like yeah. yeah in like Israeli espionage somehow, and like she would get like like young blood in like the Swiss Alps. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and, it's been around a while. You know, she was like 50 years old, but she looked like she was like 28 for like a like for like 20 years yeah we have red's team is like scanning shredded documents and putting them back together which i, I like i was trying to I, like that like when they showed like this the trash piles of the shredded documents like it's like that was my first idea i was like i wonder if they're gonna do it or if they're gonna do it the brute force way so they did it this way so it's fun where they basically just scan all the documents and have software that try, tries to puzzle it back together yeah, yeah they're just randomly yeah. putting the strips on pegboards um, mm-hmm. And then the computer like scans and scans again as they put more strips on, and then it looks for similar similarities in paper density, font type, and all that. And eventually, it can recreate all the documents you have in those bags. Yeah. So it's it's kind of cool, and it was invented by the Germans, um, <laughs> which Red has something. It's like, yeah, no matter how innocent they pretend to be, they're still the best people in the world. It's spying on their own citizens. It's <laughs> 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 like, oh, okay. Which also funny because they they start this thing out. It's like they talk about it's like, here's a bunch of shredded paperwork from all these organizations around the FBI and stuff. Like it's like it can't be put back together, but it's all like single slice. It's yeah. not cross strips. So like, it's like that stuff you can obviously put back together. <laughs> yeah, I have one at home that does the Chris cut, and it's like yeah, you could never put that back together. I mean, I guess if you had an unlimited amount of time and people, you could. And you yeah. don't want to, because all I shred are like credit card applications. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and also the way the government destroys documents now is they chemically, ever since like 9-11 and stuff, which would be way be- even eight, like eight or nine years before this show, they chemically dissolve a lot of this stuff. Uh, they shred it and throw it into a thing that pulps it. So it, e- it basically <laughs> destroys all the ink. So, yeah, you, you can never really get a hold of government documents. They don't subcontract the destruction of secret documents because uh, that's just like an open invitation for every spy organization <laughs> in the world that's not America to immediately get into the document destruction business. And I mean every country in the world, not just enemies. Well, I mean, they did say that like all these documents that they're going through are kind of very superfluous and won't exactly lead them to where they want, but they could find something that points to what they need yeah yeah if they're looking for they already have a lot of information they're just looking for very specific clues so yeah i suppose it makes sense 
Uh, I don't know. It's a fun puzzle. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's like, that's an interesting idea. Just a bunch of scanners and custom made software to do something that's like, that's kind of obvious and incredibly genius at the same time. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff that I already did. I mean, you basically like set up your own personal Kapschka. Yeah. <laughs> do these fit together? Yes, no. You basically have an AI just run the crap together. So, I mean, I make it sound like that's super easy, but if you know what you're doing, that's not that complicated. Yeah. Uh, then we have the alchemist like lure some chick to like a fake casting call. Yeah. Um, which I wasn't sure what's going on here at first because it's also paired with another scene where there's like some substitute teacher who's a spy or something jo- jolene yeah <laughs> and she she's like she's looking to a mirror and you know she says like this like staged phrase which you're wondering is like oh does like is english not her first language but she just really has this like line down or something but i have no idea and then she has a file that says tom keen on it which i was guessing at first like oh what organization is going through here now that i was like Oh, this is probably a red thing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not confirmed. <laughs> no. Wheels or, within wheels. Yeah. Well, we don't even know if she's a spy, but usually, you know, you want to give a random person a, you know, a, a folder that has someone's name on it. <laughs> yeah. When I go meet people, I don't have like files on them and read them and then <laughs> practice the lines in the mirror, practice dialogue. So it's yeah. like, mm, okay, there's obviously something that's. This this is this is like maybe corporate level espionage or you know in this universe you never know. And then like the next thing we have like the they're like on the trail of Treadle and then the alchemist kills his family. But I write down immediately they're probably doppelgangers. So that's why he did the fake casting call because he needs somebody to double the wife of or the the wife double his wife. Yeah, they didn't show the little girl <laughs> that he also did that to and killed, which is no, like- no evil i mean they showed showed a dead body of a girl but they didn't show the process of acquiring the girl and 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 like changing her medical doing stuff to her teeth and all that crazy stuff yeah that's why i said this is one of the worst people on the blacklist yeah i mean because i'm sure all those other people killed children too but it's different to sit down and like i'm just gonna pull your teeth out of your jaw and rewire things and and then i'm gonna shoot you (laughs) it's like wow okay this guy needs to die and wish was granted. Um, <laughs> uh, then there's like a, uh, they put some of the, the team that's putting the, the papers together that Mira shows up in a document. We don't know what it's for. They just see that name. So it's like, Oh, so it's like, she might be the mole, but we don't know. And they're able to trace the alchemist and his family through the daughter's insulin pump. Mm-hmm. It's apparently like it gives off some sort of like radio signal or whatever. So cause American yeah. medicine is always watching you. They want their rented <laughs> equipment back. Um, and then there ends up being a standoff at the gas station, but it's like very awkward. So it's like, yeah, it's it was interesting to see like this guy who's very professional at all this stuff, and he does seemingly impossible things, and it just come then he just fumbles this last bit here. So yeah, <laughs> or even have like the the he pulls a gun on the because like an Amber alert goes out, and so everybody sees the the daughter, and then like the. The, the the gas station tenants like starts calling the cops and he pulls a gun on him he's like put the phone down and then some other like you know righteous citizen like decides he's gonna pull his gun out to try to stop him and he fumbles it and ends up shooting the daughter yeah well he shoots the daughter after uh treadle shoots him when as he's going down his gun goes off and that's when the yeah, daughter yeah, gets yeah. Hit. and he takes the gun off him so now he has two guns yep um i think we cut i think we cut to to 
commercial break and we come back and it's just everything set up as a uh, hostage standoff. Hostage, yeah, a hostage standoff. And then Wrestler and Liz show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah Liz, they're Liz arguing is... with the SWAT team. <laughs> yeah. Because the SWAT agency rivalry. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care if you're from the FBI. You're not going in there and uh, we're going to protect the hostages and we'll just shoot this guy. He's like, he's got information. And the guy's like, I don't care until your boss calls my cop boss. And then just Liz throws her gun on the hood of the car and starts walking towards the building. Uh, yeah. And she starts, starts to work up like um, talking to the guy. And he's like, he wants immunity, of course. And then he'll sell out all of his, all of his people he's worked for. And then his wife takes one of the guns and then shoots him in the back. And then the guy, the sniper, shoots him in the, shoots him in the head. And so that's over with. He's dead. Yeah, the wife has decided no more of this guy. Um, yeah. Uh, and presumably they get an ambulance to that kid. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. It's We don't know. This is a dead kid's episode. Uh, we have no idea. But then we, we come back to, I think we come back to the, to the post office. And I think Aram is basically... Like all the information they would have got from him, he's able to just like get from one of the hard drives from one of his labs or whatever. So yeah. they basically have everything they need. So they didn't really need him anyways. So they have all the people that this guy disappeared that they're still looking for. Yeah. And then Liz and they meet at the the Jewish temple again and Liz hands the, the list over to Red and he just kind of completely dismisses it. It's like yeah, I have other things I need to do today. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, you just took the, you just, you just wanted that list from us." And yeah, he's like, "Yeah, pretty much." And we don't even know how he's going to use it, uh, or unless he's just going to sell them out. Like that'll be fun too. Yeah. Or, or if it's, or if somebody on that list, another list, a separate list from the blacklist, is somebody also needs, or if it's, or if somebody on that list is a part of the blacklist, it's like, oh cross them off when you uncross them and then wrestlers he goes to like meet with audrey he makes he makes his bold proclamation that he's gonna uh, with liz when they're in the office together that he's gonna go tell audrey that like her fiance is garbage and she should get rid of him and then like he goes there and it's like i think this is a good idea and then she's like i just broke up with him. and then they like leave together happy it's like so they're gonna get back together and that's gonna be probably some pr weird problem yeah so that's sort of like i don't know that's sort of like one of the through lines of this entire series is that having significant others is just purely a weakness. <laughs> yeah. It can, it's always a way in. They can exploit it. Cause that's how, I mean, that's what this whole episode is like the, the, re the reason the alchemist was taken down is because he presumably loved his family or just felt he owned them. Yeah. And then they were his downfall. And it's like with red, you know, we all assume that Liz is his daughter, but he denies it because if anybody knew that, that would be like a weakness on his part. And, and then, yeah. So, and then they're even what you have with, with Liz and Tom and they're, they're about to adopt a child. Like that child is going to be a weak part. <laughs> like this is all about like, you need to abandon your family to do your job. <laughs> yeah. You just have to like do your job and live in a steel box and just have yourself air gapped from any normal human relationships because uh -huh. it's always a way in. <laughs> um, so this episode kind of makes everyone's life in this <laughs> very sad. Yeah, it's terrible. This is also an extraordinarily dangerous universe these people operate in. Yeah. But they still live in like normal houses that can be infiltrated <laughs> by killers, uh, people putting in spy devices, everything else. And they just go right back to the same house. Like, yeah, this is <laughs> fine now. Also, there's like this whole time where uh, Tom and Liz are supposed to have like this 
really heart to heart talk over like dinner. And so Tom makes like a special dinner, but Liz has to cancel. And then uh, previously there was a party where that's where you meet Jolene and she kind of like tries to get to know him better and talks about like this, this photography thing that's going exhibit that's going on. Like you should come. And so then Tom goes to this photography exhibit. Presumably he's like more interested in Jolene than, than Liz now. And so he's like looking to, to uh, cheat on Liz. Yeah. At least that's where we're led to believe. Like, I wonder how this whole thing ends. It's like, is this where like the the reveal for Tom is like later on, like Jolene tries to do something. He's like, Oh, I guess I got to kill her. And that's where we find out like Tom's evil. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> it's like, official now. <laughs> it's like the people in the Americans, like they're just kind of normal looking people, but then they can start doing like Krav Maga, like a ninth level or something. It's like, Oh, these people yeah. obviously not what they appear. Yeah, which is like this has been like with that when that if that turns out this is just a huge bulk on Tom's point because like when that one guy and like the where you like yeah that was, a, was that the first yeah the first episode where uh that one guy like takes hold of him and stabs him a bunch it's like presumably if he's some super spy he probably could have like probably could have taken care of that guy <laughs> yeah guy just full of cancer unless he just got the drop on him you never know. But that was like a huge, a huge bet that like I'll let this guy take me out or take me down. Like he's not gonna kill me. He's only gonna stab knives into me so deep, you know. Unless that guy was also a part of whatever Tom's things is, if it exists. Yeah. He's like, I'm just gonna stab you a little. Like <laughs> it'll be okay. But yeah, and the Liz comes home with Chinese food, but she's by herself, and so she doesn't know he's out there with this with Jolene. Yeah. Um which yeah, she she's substitute teaching for somebody. So I'm wondering, I wonder if we're gonna find the substitute dead or the actual teacher she's subbing for, like dead somewhere. I can't remember. I it's like a one sentence line that's probably not meant to be like uh like dug through, but <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Then we cut to Red sitting in dark waiting for Mira. He's pointing a gun at her, and he's like, "You know why I'm here?" And she's like, "Cause you think I'm the mole?" Or, or no, she just says, "Because I'm the mole." Or she say, "Cause you think I'm the mole?" Or she just says, "Cause I'm the mole." No, because I'm the mole is what she says. Yeah. Okay. And then you know, cut to black. So now, we're, now we're left to wonder, like, how Mira is going to get out of this, or if we come back from the next episode, shoots her in the head, done with. Yeah. What was her reason? Yeah. Who knows? But anyway. But yeah. It's, uh, yeah. This is like a. This didn't really advance too much of like the overall conspiracy going on it was like this is like their monster of the week episode essentially so yeah <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was all right yeah it's just it's, it's kind of a just another dark blacklist i mean it's almost like along the line yeah this yeah i got more of an x-files vibe or even fringe vibe from this episode <laughs> yeah this reminded me a lot of fringe when i was, was like oh we're edge tech science and and but yeah it's just a criminal just and an evil person too like I said, anyone who's just going to perform surgery on a child they kidnapped and shoot her in the head so she looks like his dead daughter so he can get away clean is like, that is a coldness that, like, <laughs> is unimaginable. Yeah. But, you know, it wouldn't be exciting if people were just, like, accountants. <laughs> All right, so for our second show, we have The Mentalist, Season 2, Episode 12, Bleeding Heart. Original air date, January 21st, 2010, CBS Thursday. While investigating the death of the mayor's media liaison, Patrick is kidnapped by an eco-terrorist who is a suspect in the case. Meanwhile, the team reluctantly agrees to be filmed by it for a documentary. Shroner Bruno Heller, written by Erica Green Swafford, and directed by Noberto Barba. Yeah, this um, was this was an interesting uh, this 
episode had an interesting element of a Oops. documentary film crew. Yeah. Uh, talking to the CBI. Or I was wondering, I was like, are they trying to do like an office thing here? <laughs> I don't know if it was going to be the office or like the MASH episode. Remember the famous MASH episode where they were filming? And he's... I uh, vaguely. Yeah, they didn't have any backstory. It was just like the doctors working at the MASH unit and all the people there. And there wasn't a lot of humor and there wasn't like a B story or anything. It was just filming these guys at the MASH unit. And it's like, yeah, this is why all these people are kind of strange because they're, work <laughs> they're doctors in a war zone and really horrible stuff's going on all the time. It was a very famous uh, episode of MASH because it, it just had a linear A story of the guys filming oh, okay. and people reacting. And there was no like behind it was only it was shot as if you were seeing it just through the lens of the uh film crew not th th yeah. this didn't do that but i was thinking for a minute i was like ah they like to do weird storytelling stuff sometimes on the mentalist maybe they'll do this but they didn't yeah it's just being framed here as like every once in a while we're gonna cut to the documentary thing which is more like why i said it's more office style <laughs> it's like yeah cut to the the confession area yeah, and have Jim smirk. The show yeah, has like this... one of his greatest yeah. things in this the whole time. Yeah, we have uh, we start out with Lisbon and Jane are being filmed for a documentary. They kind of shut it down because Jane doesn't like being filmed for some reason. He doesn't like well, it's like he doesn't want to have feelings in front of a camera that will forever show that he has feelings. So. Yeah, <laughs> and he also thinks it's exploitation too. Yeah, because he he knows a lot about that. But apparently, like, the CBI, like, media person's like, this will be good, like, good PR for us after losing, like, four agents and the director of the CBI. Well, and they also play, like, we get a little bit of a shot of the outer world of because they're, they're talking um, to Lisbon. And it's like, yeah, you're the most effective group in the CBI. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we, we don't keep score, but yeah. And then he, like unrolls the zinger it's like you also have the highest amount of lawsuits against you and um <laughs> like all kinds of misconduct stuff and it's like well yeah and then she's like what is this stop you know it, <laughs> yeah yeah the the film crew is is aggressive and apparently the deputy dis or the deputy attorney general of california has said that they have to cooperate with this in some way yeah which I knew it's like, oh, as soon as they're, they're like pulling rank on CBI, this is going to blow up in their face, the upper people. <laughs> and, and it did. I didn't know how, but I knew it's like, yeah, this is, this is uh, the PR person's going to end up uh, like, oh, this is really backfired on, on us. And then the news is bad and let the police work. They're on a case that's politically sensitive because like the mayor's like secretary is killed. Yeah. Um, Press liaison. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Martha St. Clair. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she works for the mayor. And then Jane says the killer wanted her to be found by the media. Yeah, it's a spectacular, like, they're groundbreaking on this controversial business development. And the place where they were doing the ceremonial shoveling, it's like, oh, her, her PR, the mayor's PR person is like a corpse in there. And they immediately uncover her on camera while this yeah. is being filmed. It's like, ooh, that's dark. <laughs> And then Jane insults like the chief of police or whatever he is. Yeah, this sure. is the first time I've heard like uh, the tension. It's like, oh, the CBI's bigfooting the local guys. Because um, <laughs> this isn't like Los Angeles or something. It's some smaller city in, uh, further yeah. up in California. I mean, that's usually what Jane does. But like yeah, this one was like a bit more like I was like, like about to like punch Jane in the, uh, on, front of, on top of the, the crime scene. <laughs> yeah, because he's, yeah, he's Jane's being an antagonist and reading people. 
Yeah, you you were cheating on your wife, and now you're losing weight because now you're like living in a motel, eating bad food, or or not eating. Yeah. And the woman you cheated with is that you don't even respect her, so you're not even cheating with her anymore. It's like, and apparently, it was all like right on the spot because the guy just tries to punch. Yeah, Jane like runs away, yeah. like vaults all over the crime scene tape. Like, oh, I'm good, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, they're breaking ground on some new building project that's like apparently on some disputed wild lands. We have Mayor Shannon here. We also have Jasper, the unfriendly eco-terrorist. Yeah. Who shows up in videos and has like a symbol that's kind of like almost like a Chinese symbol. It's a tree or something. Yeah. And then Jane picks up on that the mayor didn't like Martha. Um, and she's like, like, wait a minute. Like, like how'd you know that? <laughs> Uh, cause she's trying to, she's trying to make it seem like, oh, oh, she was a valued employee. Like we loved her. And so he's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> uh, and then he also like steals some note off her desk. That's like emergency. Like she's going to do something, <laughs> but it doesn't say, cause apparently Martha was going to reveal something about the, the mayor. Well, the mayor was taking bribes from the developer to, to build this building. Um, this, this business slash retail space type shopping center uh so that's, yeah. that's what the mayor was uh was in cahoots with uh heat and crop <laughs> the name of the developer um which how does that work out like he was bribing her so she would like release government money to give to him <laughs> it was something yeah it's whatever however whatever ridic- absurd amount of money he was making in this development yeah uh, yeah well was- it's a 20 million dollar development but like that's not necessarily the cost of building yeah that's i think that's like the straight up cost it's not the total cost after you throw in all the government subsidies and all the money and you know it seemed to just be involved in a lot of stuff like that but apparently like martha's gonna withhold like 10 million dollars of the funding so rigsby and cho like interview krupp uh and then while they're interviewing the 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 place gets locked up and firebombed yeah which gets pretty intense. I like the, it was almost comical that like Mr. Krupp there, like he's like my legs on fire. They cut to it. It's like totally engulfed in flames. Yeah, <laughs> like he was just like, oh, I doused my leg in alcohol before I walked in here. Like, bad choice. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have kept all that gasoline on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it was a little ridiculous. Kind of got scary because Joe couldn't open the door. Yeah, and then he had to like throw the couch through the window or something. Yeah, yeah, and we got to the funny show part because we cut back to the the CBI office and shows getting interviewed by, by the by the documentary crew, but show just like interviews them back. <laughs> Why do you want to be a cop? Why do you want to be a filmmaker? <laughs> yeah, and like the the guy's like an investigative reporter, and it's like it's like how long you've been doing this, and it's like oh, so you're still local, so you're a failure then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're ambitious but not successful. <laughs> but it's always that Cho monologue. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's com- yeah, it's completely monotone and yeah, because like he's in- as insightful as Jane in some ways, but he doesn't have the deliveries totally different. Yeah, it's just all actual factual. It's like I'm and not also, lying. Yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I also cut to Rigsby just like laughing. Uh, it's like yeah, I wish I could do that. <laughs> And then, um, and then, like as as the documentary crew leaves, like Cho kind of like reveals like a little bit of a smirk. Like, yeah. yeah, that's what I meant to do. <laughs> and we come back to the mayor because she's again suspicious because of the firebombing. 
Yeah. And she seems and then she seems extra suspicious because she's like constantly deflecting. She's like, why can't you why do I have to do your job for you? <laughs> Which is not something like innocent people say. Yeah, usually you're like, Yeah, let's clear this up. There's like a corpse and and people are dead and let's let's you know, yeah, instead we're gonna act super suspicious. Cause if you got your corners covered, you be be the most helpful person. <laughs> like oh yeah exactly what you're saying yeah go with that yeah it's anything you need and then jane takes the camera crew out for tacos and jane gets kidnapped by the eco terrorists yeah it's an apology taco um because he was just like pretending when they ask him questions and he pretend to go to sleep and uh, you know and of course the pr person's there and then the, the they he's looking in their fridge for something and the guy like is asking him questions and the guy's got the camera and jane's like I'll, you know, shove that camera down your throat or whatever. If you come near me yeah. with it again. And then the PR person steps in. He's like, yeah, you know what? Let's have apology tacos. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's where he gets kid. Jane gets kidnapped. Yeah, cut to commercial. Come back. He's in a room with Jasper, the eco eco terrorist. And he tells Jane, like, he didn't kill Martha and he didn't firebomb the office. And then, you know, Jane's obviously like, this isn't a great way to tell me. <laughs> yeah, you can use a phone. Yeah, <laughs> but then he, he says like he's handsome or something, and that's what Jasper gets hung up on. So he reveals himself, and it's Jasper's the mayor's assistant. Yeah. Oh yeah, Cho and Rick's be like interrogate one of Jasper's associates, and they pretend like they're gonna rough him up, and but they get so that's how they get the info. They're like call the ambulance like me ahead of time. It's like hey, he fell and broke his arm. He's like no, he didn't. It's like all all of it, all the there's cops. It's like that's all they're gonna see. But they never actually rough him up. It's just like clever. Yeah. Ruse. <laughs> actually, it's not really clever. I'm pretty sure cops do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I have no idea. It seems to be cops do that before you bring the person in. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, uh, just from like just things I've seen, if you say lawyer and they're really mad, they will say stuff like that. But it's yeah. all just talk. You just got to look straight at the wall. Just lawyer, lawyer, <laughs> lawyer. It's like, I'll knock your teeth down your head. Okay. I can't. I can't. I, I don't do know. I mean, that's always that. like the conceit. That's always like the conceit of these shows when they have someone dead to rights. It's like, just tell us what happened. It's like, it feels like no one would ever say that no, unless, they, yeah. unless it's just a great re like revelation for their conscious. Like it's like, I ne this needs to be revealed. It'll eat me from the inside. <laughs> yeah. Which most people that do things like that are not, you know, they're not really ready to bear their soul. Yeah. I mean, well, it it, like, most of the time you say lawyer and half yeah. the time they won't even anymore now. Cause it's all taped and stuff. They'll be like, yeah, okay. And they'll just work some other angle to find that. Yeah. They don't need a confession anymore. Because they always make like circumstantial evidence seem like, oh, we can't convict. We need a confession. It's like in real life, most people are convicted on circumstantial evidence. And circumstantial evidence is not bad evidence. It puts you in the place of the crime or someone who would benefit from it. Like that's how you solve crimes. But yeah, TV shows make it sound like you've got to obtain a confession. It's like, well, okay, you're going to turn this place into a CIA black site because that's the only <laughs> way you're getting a confession out of most people. Yeah, because <laughs> most convictions aren't because because people think it's like a lot of eyewitness te testimony but no it's usually it's like just physical evidence that usually like convicts people cell phone pings um cameras which are everywhere it's like they don't need to yeah they don't need to uh take the fire hose to you anymore i mean they might <laughs> want to it might be satisfying but yeah they're not gonna lose their jobs over that and considering and like, i know people here that have been convicted i don't know them personally 
but I've read stories of people that have been convicted of murder and did like five years in prison. It's like, okay, so that's like, how high are the stakes? Like, yeah. <laughs> Especially like in Michigan, like you're not going to get the chair. They've never had the death penalty here. You just go to some freezing cold prison somewhere. Anyways, yeah, that guy like reveals that there's some cabin in the woods that that they have a mat, and then Jane is like starting to hypnotize Jasper, and then that's when the CBI show up and surround the cabin. Jane's kind of like freaked out for a bit. It's like, hey, don't kill me. Like, we can work this out. Uh, and then they 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 take the house, but like Jasper like runs off. Like, there's a funny moment where like Lisbon comes up. It's like, all right, don't move. We need the bomb squad in here to make sure everything's okay. <laughs> and she's lying to him. <laughs> yeah, don't move. You might be booby trapped. <laughs> Which actually seems like a legitimate concern. So it's actually cut like a weird, like unprofessional joke by Lisbon. But for the show, it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense with this show. I mean, there's. But then to me, like Jane says that Jasper killed Martha to protect his identity. And I'm like, um, that seems to be not what he was thinking otherwise and i wrote is this some misdirect and then i immediately wrote did the camera crew do it yeah well <laughs> I, yeah just by process of elimination and the fact that they're just waiting in the woods and they see jasper walking around and they're like oh yeah hold up for a warrant it's like what no jane made some deal the the, the guilty part i thought someone else was going to show up like the mayor or something crazy it's like oh yeah. we got him but it turned out that was kind of an interesting, like, yeah, the, the camera crew plays a bigger part in the stuff. Well, not the camera crew, the one. Yeah, it's the, the documentary. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it's it's all a, a ruse for Jane to catch Mike and in a lie to figure things out. And it's like he knew that because there's this, this necklace that's in the wind that was supposedly special to her. So he's like, oh, you're going to plant that when we're going to take that. And, and then you're going to frame this guy. And then. Yeah, then it's basically revealed that like he killed her because they were dating. Uh, it just kind of comes all of a sudden, but it's like it's like it's kind of clever, but like not earned. <laughs> it's almost like they wanted to do a thing where it's like it was there all the time. You just needed to look, but it's like there really isn't evidence to sh to, to suggest them. Yeah, <laughs> except for like in the Cho scene where he's like, "Oh, so you're like you're, yeah, you said you're ambitious, but you're not good at your job." <laughs> and then yeah then he so he just killed her because like she laughed at him essentially so uh and then he set this whole thing up and then they show like a scene where it's like because they they use them later on or earlier on where they're like you know we need footage of the uh the when they're breaking ground and so like yeah we were there and so and then there's a point where it's like when she starts to dig it up and like he mike looks away because he already knows what happens and that's where jane apparently picked up on it's like oh he did <laughs> yeah but he doesn't uh, tell that to anybody. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was fine. Also, I wrote Perd Happily shows up. Yeah, it's a. Uh, well, it's like his name's like Jay Jackson. So he's like just he's just giving. He's basically he's on the news giving like a, a on air report about like what happened and what's going what's what's going on. And so I mostly note that guy is Perd Happily on Parks and Rec. And he, he actually plays like a news guy in like several other television shows. Like they just kind of like need a background actor this guy's just like always up for the job because i think his most famous thing is being purred happily <laughs> and then ultimately that the or the, the last reveal is van pelt and rigsby reveal their relationship which apparently everybody knew except for lisbon so lisbon's very mad because she doesn't know how she's going to deal with it. 
because like apparently you know what's on the books is like well they need to be like somebody needs to be like either they need to be both fired or somebody needs to be sent away to a different office or whatever but but yeah that's how the the episode ends so we'll see what happens yeah yeah there's no yeah she she says she doesn't know what she's gonna do and it's like credits which is it's hard to tell with lisbon because she's by the book but then like you know every week with jane's like well i gotta look the other way well, I mean, he's a consultant, so you know they let him have that leeway. It's like, oh, we can fire him at any moment, and we're not, or maybe they're paying him. I actually don't know. <laughs> I never really ask. Yeah, or I never really, it's never really come up. Or, or he's taking a very minimal fee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, okay. I mean, it's kind of a a dip in the season so far. It started pretty strong, so. <laughs> but you you hated last week's episode more. Yeah, I was not a fan. <laughs> I really did. Which is that. Which this episode's fine. It's like a, it's a normal episode. I just I just feel like the reveal that it was like the the documentary crew is, just seems like pretty far fetched. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It's I don't know. Things can be both far fetched and fun. So like, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of the thing with um with the mentalist is they they can they can come up with some real like out of the box stuff and but they can always use Jane as like ah his ultimate powers of observation make this possible and then it turns out to be true but it's like well really it's only this op- observational gambit that oh, that makes a lot of this possible like you would never go to A to B with this stuff uh, and some of the looser written episodes like this and the one last week it's like I, I don't this doesn't hang together but sometimes it's really good it's like oh I just straight up missed that or I see it and then, like, I'm following along, like, ah, I'm smart as Jane. Look, I'm seeing the same things he is. You know, if I had a camera to focus in on everything I saw that I should notice, I'd be I'm a hero in real life. But, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's a thing. And for our third show, we have Miami Vice, Season 2, Episode 12, Fill the Shill. Original air date, December 13th, 1985, NBC Friday. A British television personality who has dealings with a major cocaine dealer is targeted by Crockett and Tubbs. Shrona Michael Mann, written by Paul Diamond, directed by John Nicolella. So this is the famous Phil Collins episode. <laughs> Very timely this week, considering Phil Collins has announced his retirement for health reasons. Yeah. Um, which is like, wow, that's weird that we're reviewing this episode now. <laughs> that just happened. Yeah, yeah he uh, apparently, well, I'm not sure all of his health reasons are all of his health uh, problems, but uh, he, he recently been touring but he's just a singer because he apparently had back surgery and he couldn't hold a uh a drumstick in his right hand anymore yeah um but his son has been drumming for him okay on this on so that was that kind of family event yeah also weirdly i I watched a south park episode and there was like a it's not i mean it's a it's not this year it's like came out in 2017 but um you know, here in my car. <laughs> oh, the, oh, uh, I can't think of his name, but yeah, I know the band, the cars. Yeah. Well, not the band. That's the, or the main Alec guy. Guy. Anyway, what about him? Harry Newman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like, uh, uh, there was a song in the South Park episode. I was like, is this like a fake, like techno song that they came up with? It was like, no, it was like a Gary Newman song from 2017. And uh, it's he's like sixty one now or something and like, but it's like a it's a decent like kind of like industrial techno song or whatever, and uh, it's like him and his daughter <laughs> huh. doing doing sad music again. <laughs> I don't. Know, she just she's in the video and she like sings on it. I'm not sure if it's like they're collaborating to be together. 
Also, I found out weird stuff about Gary Newman. Apparently, like he was like pro Margaret Thatcher or something. Okay, interesting. <laughs> which he, which he now regrets. Yeah. Although he said, although he says like you know I'm not I'm not necessarily like conservative or or liberal, but he I definitely know I don't want to give anybody my money. So it's like okay, you are Gary Newman's stand. So yep. yeah. he learned the truth, the hard truth. Also, apparently, he took a bunch of tests at like some place and like he apparently has Asperger's, but he was like, ah, it was just a bunch of tests and just ignored it. Yeah. It's like, I've gone this far. I've been successful. It works for me. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So yeah, Phil Collins retired, had his last show like, like this week and uh, is retiring from, from essentially music. So at 71. Yeah, Phil Collins is hosting some weird game show that's kind of like Double Dare esque, but for adults. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, where's the green slime? You know, <laughs> which I'm not sure if this precedes Double Dare or not. I don't know. I thought that was like late '80s, but I actually have no idea. I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of wacky TV shows, game shows at this time, anyway. So I'm pretty sure Double Dare probably got its stuff from somewhere else. But I'm just Double Dare is my. Um, focal point on that kind of wacky game show stuff so yeah um we have we have emo films versus swat tech so weird it's like oh yeah the the, the celebrities that were on this show and if you don't know emo phillips is emo phillips is an incredibly weird comedic comedian i'm emo phillips And sometimes it's like some of the stuff is like it's it's just like almost cringe, but then like when he gets to like a a like uh he gets to a punchline that just comes out of nowhere, it's like okay, Emo Phillips is funny, but <laughs> the setup is always very like weird and annoying. Yeah, you don't yeah because he's talking like this, you know, he's just modulating his voice all over the place, and but then he has these punchlines where it's like oh my god did he just say that like that's <laughs> you don't expect that coming from a guy who sounds like that you know? yeah, yeah yeah he's got some great jokes and i'm not going to tell any of them here because yeah but it was fun to see him in this it's like i was not expecting, yeah yeah forgot about this film yeah i mean he always kind of looks like he doesn't really, really ever look old because he's very lanky and weird and has long hair but here it's just like he's even just like smoother essentially yeah <laughs> just less craggy and then we cut to a, a, they're in a different spot crockett and Tubbs are at some i don't know like club or whatever where they provoke some bodyguard slash driver so then uh tubs can sneak a tracking device in there yeah listening thing yeah which i tried to look up who the bodyguard driver was because he looks like a dude who would probably be a wrestler especially by the way he's like throwing crockett around yeah but i couldn't find anything so maybe he's just some bodybuilder in florida yeah crockett like distracts him by saying he scratches ferrari and the guy ends up like throwing him on top body slamming on top of the ferrari <laughs> yeah because it looks like like uh crockett has the high ground like oh he's got the advantage he's beating the crap out of this guy but then this guy who's like looks like a huge bodybuilder just picks him up and throws him eventually and <laughs> it's like i don't think you're hurting that guy very much punching him that way but okay and when he does that it's like that's good bodyguard that's why you hire that guy <laughs> and then, like they go back to the club and then like their crockett's like stuffing tissues up his nose because it's bleeding yeah and then and then they, they see on tv that that swytech because the reason they're doing this is because like 
Zito and Switek like called in sick. Yeah. And then they and then they see Switek on the on the show and they're like, hey, hold on a minute. <laughs> hey, the undercover cops on TV. <laughs> he just blew his cover. He can never be in a no, that is not what happened, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, wait a minute. It's supposed to be like I know they're kind of the tech guy, backup gun, undercover cops, but they sometimes they are frontmen too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, huh, that's interesting. Of course, I didn't understand this whole game show slash swindle where they put yeah. like, because uh, Emo Phillips turns out to be the ringer uh, and the game's rigged so Switek can't win. Yeah. And it's, it's like $100,000 to win, and but instead like Phil and, and Emo Phillips split the money. Well, actually... <laughs> Phil Collins just or Phil just runs away with the money, but it's like, why does he have the stake money and and how was it put up and how was this a scam? It's like I don't understand it, but okay, I'm just going with it. Well, also like this is apparently the last show because like their their sponsor who's like just some wholesaler like is <laughs> doesn't want to sponsor them anymore. Yeah, and also there's like the weird spot because they have this whole like little maze inside the game show that they run. It's some. I'm not sure if it's an official Phil Collins song or if he just wrote it. No, it's an official. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's this weird rat race Phil Collins song. It's a rat race for easy money. Rat race. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Switek gets screwed out of winning, but the but then the show's been canceled because his like buzzer doesn't turn on, even though he gets to it first. Yeah. Like he hits it, but the light doesn't turn on. So. It's like, oh, the light didn't turn on. And then he hits it again, but then it's suddenly working. And then I get, because the last question for the money was a Elvis related question. That's why Switek gets extra pissed about it because it's like, that's his thing. <laughs> like, I'm an Elvis guy. I know everything about Elvis. Yes. And there were earlier Elvis's, I know, earlier Elvis question where Emo Phillips totally shit the bed. And Switek knew not only the answer to how many bathrooms were in Graceland, but also some more details about it yeah so Switek clearly had the advantage here then we have a young kyra cedric shows up. yeah <laughs> and there's just some guys hanging upside down swinging and then they get executed by a mac 10 yep <laughs> that was a cool setup <laughs> it actually was because they were swinging back and forth and trying to talk to this guy because they <laughs> apparently he thought they screwed him on a drug deal and uh and that, yeah and the guy there is tony rivers he's some new drug dealer gangster or whatever yeah. Well, apparently, them. I think they say they've been working this case for eighteen months, but this is new to us. But like, yeah. Apparently, this is a grudge for for Vice to get these to get this guy. I'm not exactly sure why. Or it's you know, just like you know, we just need to stop crime, or if it's they have some particular thing. Well, I guess also now they have like two murders in yourself. But also, this guy seems to leave, leave a lot of bodies in the wake. Yeah, just constantly. <laughs> they don't think about. They don't think about disposing bodies. They just want them to be spectacularly found. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hanging upside down and <clears throat> shoot them in a running helicopter. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that thing's going to catch on fire, you know? <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Or the like, uh, funny thing to shoot the guy in the helicopter and he like his feet like tilt the rotor and the rotor <laughs> tilts over and kills them. <laughs> Doesn't happen, but yeah. No. Uh, and then we have Castillo like reprimands a Zito and Switek, and now they have to like they get docked a day's pay, and now they have to work the graveyard shift. Uh, apparently, in place of Gina and and, uh, and Trudy, which I don't know if it's like I, I imagine they like I imagine there's like a rotation of shifts, but it seemed like 
like ah they but at this moment kind of seem like are they just giving gina and trudy the bad jobs all the time yeah <laughs> like you gotta work the graveyard shift instead but of the women like, folk you're gonna be out there doing it yeah that's what it kind of came off as but i don't know later on you see that like oh Switech like in like official cop uniform it's like oh this must be like a graveyard shift for like the the whole unit or something and like just everybody gets it every, everybody catches it every once in a while yeah when he says i'm gonna dock you a day's pay Switech's like i want my union rep <laughs> <laughs> that is illegal right <laughs> yeah that is illegal that's why i thought as soon as i heard that i was like no get your union rep you don't have to put up with that shit. <laughs> he, can, he can look grim at the wall all he wants to, but it's like, nah, it doesn't make for compelling TV, especially yeah. in the 80s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we see this for, we saw Phil Collins rig the game. He like took like 80 grand of the prize money, but kind of looks like he takes all of it because he just yeah, kind of pushes Emo Phillips out of there. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'll meet you later. You know, he's, he's <laughs> actually Phil Collins, not a bad actor in this. No, uh, yeah, he's fine. I mean, you just, you know, it's Phil Collins the whole time, but it's yeah, kind of yeah, fun yeah. to, oh, okay. I don't know. Like there was kind of like a later on Phil Collins. Well, now it kind of seems sad because now he's retiring. But there's there's a later life Phil Collins stuff. It's like it was just purely probably for decades. Like his reputation is like, oh, this guy's just a gigantic asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, and then he goes on a shopping spree. Apparently, Ari owns a Lamborghini. Although it's a weird Lamborghini. It's like not a cool looking Lamborghini. That is a Lamborghini Jalpa. Huh. It came out kind of concurrently with the Countach. It was more yeah. of a down. Uh, was it more affordable? <laughs> yeah, it was a more affordable. It had a V8 engine, and it was like a, uh, it was what they call a Targa top, where you just take the top out, so it was open top that way. Uh, they actually said it was uh, very easy to drive on the streets, unlike most Lamborghinis. Like, this car was pretty, they said it had a real heavy clutch and steering, because it didn't have power steering, because um, that draws power away from the engine. But they uh, they said of, of all the Lamborghinis, it was one of the easiest ones to actually drive on the street. So I don't know if you've seen. Well, well, it seemed to actually have like a ground clearance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it was you could operate it uh, normally. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the American uh, the short lived American uh, what's that show called? Uh, not the Grand Tour, but the it was the one. Oh, the American Top Gear one? Yeah, the American Top Gear where they're like, we're driving supercars in New York City. And it was absolutely horrendous because <laughs> they couldn't, because these Lamborghinis all had paddle shifters and it had like a brake clutch and yeah, stop and go traffic. Because the, these cars were just like, rawr, rawr, you know, and they were <laughs> trying to keep them, you know, just moving and stop and go traffic. And it was horrendous. And it's like, yeah, that's what it's like driving those cars normally in, in any kind of traffic. But this one apparently... Got high marks for both being affordable and being drivable in in traffic situations. Yeah, because I don't think I've ever seen that Ferrari. For for at first I thought it was just some weird car kit. Like the no. back end almost looks like a Countach. It so is. I thought they was. I thought it was just some weird kit car they put together. No, it's the same family of car. Just it weighs a lot less. They only made four hundred of them, so huh. it's the you know there weren't a lot of them. It only had three hundred horsepower too. If you can imagine that, huh. it's like huh. Anyway, it was the '80s, different time. Well, I'm not. Sh- I don't know. There's a lot of weird cars in the '80s because they're like the 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 emission standards and the fuel mileage standards like change rapidly. Yeah, <laughs> I know this is like yeah, I know this is like more firmly in the Reagan era, but that stuff still happened. Oh yeah, they stuffed. They've ruined cars in the late '70s and '80s. They just stuffed a sock in the intake <laughs> and made it impossible. They were terrible. I mean, that's why I was. That's why they almost vaporized because 
couldn't really have nice. You could have nice stuff from Europe because they were paying the fines to pollute. Um, but yeah, the American cars and a lot of cars just were un- underpowered then. That's when, like, yeah, like when uh, Aston Martin was made a sedan. You know, it's it was out of the same era. <laughs> it's like, well, we can't do supercars anymore, so we're going to make the most expensive sedan ever made. Or also, like, there's kind of a weird styling stuff. Which I remember, I think they're called Fox Body Mustangs. Yes. Uh, that's the, that's always the Mustangs I associate with being bad looking because they look like escorts because they're essentially on kind of the same frame, right? Oh, um, yeah, it was just it was just a downgrade chassis. It didn't have a performance chassis. Yeah, so I always associate those like, oh, those are the shitty Mustangs, but they actually like had a lot of cool stuff to them. If you, oh yeah, if you, if you did a lot of upgrades for it, that's where you had the five O Mustang was one of those. So. Yeah, I mean, if you shoved a, a big enough engine in there and did hop ups on the uh, on the uh, engine and suspension, it's like they were great in a straight and line. I, and I forget there's something about the Fox body construction that made it actually like pretty useful for like upgrading and working yeah it was on. a rigid i think it was a rigid box frame is what they called it so you didn't twist the body out of shape <laughs> but yeah they um, see the mustangs before that were kind of known for handling too and then they kind of negated the handling with that it was more like a muscle car type thing where it was like like all those muscle cars from the 70s were you know furiously fast in a straight line yeah, because like now the Mustangs they have like they're, they're completely different. They can actually handle. They can actually handle a lot. Uh, not quite Corvette, but pretty close. Uh, especially yeah, if you for hop like them up. half the price. <laughs> yeah, for half the price, or not if you get the like the GT five hundred or whatever. Yeah, which I dr- I rode in one of those. The guy scared the crap out of me. I was like, <laughs> Jesus, how fast does this thing go? It's like really fast, really quick. Well, uh- was it the Maki? That does a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, Maki is insane. <laughs> it's like instant on power, uh, and you can run it in different modes. And I know some people that have them; they love them. But yeah, and, uh, but also like, uh, anyways, uh, the Phil Collins he's doing the shopping spree, and he also he doesn't buy the Lambo; he just has it. But he goes and buys a bunch of jewelry, and then he buys some pearls for for Kyra Cedric here. Is her, her character's name is Sarah? I think she was um, nineteen when this was filmed. <laughs> Kyra Cedric, I mostly know for she when she played on, she's on the Closer, which was like a TNT yeah. cop drama in the in the mid two thousands. That's what I most know her for. Uh, she has a lot of work. It's probably actually, unfortunately, most known for being married to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh well, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> and losing half their money to Bernie Madoff. <laughs> I remember the Closer being really cool. That's actually actually precedes the mentalist but kind of has a similar thing to it yeah where she's just like very observant but there like she was like just super smart and she worked for the cia and then yeah <laughs> ends up being like working for the los angeles homicide <laughs> but then yeah they meet and he takes her to her home it's like a or a boat and then the then he sets up a date with her later on because at first like we see like the the tony and her like walk out together you figure like oh they're a couple but no they're just business partners yeah it seemed kind of weird at first because i was like oh that's tony's girlfriend it's like no i guess not but it's like yeah. they have some kind of relationship well, that's uh yeah uh, i guess that's on me for making assumptions but yeah you know, oh i thought the same Canadian. thing too and then until yeah. he explained like you know you're don't make deals for kilos you know you're an ounces yeah. girl you deal with like dentists and doctors or they had some line <laughs> like that like you know you don't yeah. do kilos that's out of your which league. Was, 
which are, we recently watched a movie called Light Sweeper, which is pretty much that. Yeah. Which actually is weirdly has like a lot of DNA with where it's like you only sell to like these high end clients, you only sell in in ounces and stuff like that. Yeah, just um, just under the felony amount, or no, not felony, uh, intent to distribute amount, which was like yeah. twenty years, but possession was only two or something. Um, but we have Izzy shows up as an interior designer, but uh, because Phil is also a con man, he sees right through Izzy. Yeah. <laughs> but he still makes a deal with them. He's like, all right, well, it's like, because apparently he, he has this place, but it's just like devoid of any furniture. It just has like a chair in it. Yeah. It's a weird, it's, one of those weird Florida houses. Yeah. It's just some weird bougie, like beachside house. Yeah. Well, I call we scumbag is- houses because nobody who's a decent person <laughs> just has this giant open concept house with a bunch of weird indirect lighting. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's those are houses for people that like, hey, look, I have a big house, everyone. You know, those guys. Yeah. Like, there's no features that make them special. Others that are big and they have a lot of windows. But then Izzy crosses with Crockett and Tubbs uh and they're angry it's like what are you doing here and then they find out switech put izzy in the mix yeah switech's still after this guy for his game show money <laughs> and then we have phil here order some coke from sarah and because he's gonna like have this big party so then she can have like a bunch of people she can sell coke to there and also he's gonna like try to con a bunch of people who have money to buy coke <laughs> yeah he wants them to like give like, oh, yeah, you can invest in my Bahamas condo thing. You know, it's only $1,000 down, which is like. Yeah, he has, yeah, he has a bunch of different cons that all, like, are specifically $100,000 cons. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't know what that was about. Like, apparently he just wants $100,000. <laughs> well, I mean, you can buy a Ferrari and a house and a bunch of jewelry with it. You know, I don't know. $100,000 is a lot of money back then. Yeah. But I, I don't know why he was just like, everything's $100,000. Like, he got $100,000 from the game show. He's looking to con everybody with just $100,000 schemes. <laughs> like, Probably it's because you can carry it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then we have, like, Crockett and Tubbs on the trail of Tony, but the driver found the their bug. Yeah. Uh, and this is also where, like, they pull up and a helicopter lands and they pull up and shoot the helicopter pilot because – He's the only one the driver definitely knows has been in the car. So, yeah, they think so. They think he's like in league with the police. And then Trudy plants a Trudy and Gina get like are putting some stuff on their boat on Tony's boat. And so they plant another bug in the boat. And then, yeah, then we have the party where Sarah's selling Coke. And then, yeah, Phil's trying to con people. Um, and Sarah and then Phil like cons his way into like, oh, I can sell you Coke for a cheaper price. And then Sarah takes Phil away. And I was like, oh, probably to kill him. Yeah. I <laughs> essentially, didn't. it was kind of. Yeah. yeah. They make like a, they, they rough him up and make a deal with him. Like, hey, you're going to be the middleman in this deal because it seems too good to be true. So you're going to take the fall. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's supposed to be selling small amounts, not kilos. Because, oh, yeah. She also meets Crockett and Tubbs. And they're like, yeah, we need five keys. And then she gets too ambitious. Yeah. And then Phil goes back to his house and he's like looking to leave town. And he just has like a bunch of fake passports. Yeah, this guy seems to be like a man of the world. Yeah. And then but Crockett and Tubbs reveal themselves to be cops. And then like, so they're going to use him. And so they start to make up the deal where like he was going to make the, the deal with the like the doctors that they were going to sell Coke to. And they like, they like take their money to go make the deal with Tony. <laughs> 
but then Vice is there and they ambush Tony. It's like at a carnival. So it's a, an interesting visual scene to have a shootout at a carnival. Yeah. And there was no one there. It was just, yeah. It was just these guys because it's like at first. But, like all, but all the shit's running. Yeah. Well, I guess that was considered like a major error in this show because it was not running before the shootout started. Oh, okay. And it was explained that it's like, oh, they wanted to have it running, but it was interfering with like filming and, and, uh, a lot of the like they couldn't get any uh, sound audio. or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of stuff happens here. There's like a in the case that that Tubbs has. There's like a little bomb that goes off in Tony's face, and everybody's running around and people are getting shot. It's just kind of popping up out of nowhere. Uh, and then in the middle of this, Phil runs off with seventy five grand. <laughs> yep. I don't know what happens to Sarah in the scene. Like I know what happens at the end, but like I don't remember where she like how she escapes or if the cops arrested her or not. Yeah. It shows her like running up a ride that's running like on the outer rim of it. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I guess she just gets away. Yeah. I look kind of precarious. She's like running up this thing. It looks almost like she's going to hit, be hit by the ride. So it's like, that's kind of a cool look. It looks dangerous. <laughs> huh. Um, but no, I was just saying, yeah, I was, I remember that seeing is like, yeah, that's particularly dangerous. Like, if she falls or something while she's filming, that thing's just going <laughs> to cut her in half. But, you know, it didn't happen. And I, yeah, I think they shoot Tony at some point. I think at some point he's dead. I think like he's like going for like Gina or something. And then she shoots him dead or like three people shoot him at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it was all just like random like goons here that just get shot up for those. Like, well, somebody needs to die. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting shootout nonetheless. Though. Right. A lot of good visual stuff in this episode. Not necessarily like the most competent story, but it's No, funny. it was just fun to see Phil Collins. And uh, yeah, this is the Phil Collins episode. But yeah, they, they let Phil go away because uh, they're like, they're not going to chase him because it's not their thing. And then like, and but because they ran away with like the doctor's money, it's like, ah, it's all right. It's like. And they're never going to come and collect it because they'd have to be admitting to felony drug uh, buy. So, <laughs> so just say yeah, everybody's clean. But then, like the last scene is we have Zito and Switek watching TV, and then he's flipping through the channels, and and uh, they see Phil is like being like some sort of like Christian healing con artist yes. on TV, <laughs> and he's got like a wig on. And then, but then Sarah's also there and she's pretending to be like deaf. And then like he heals her and then, and then Switex is like, this one's for you, Elvis. And he shoots the TV and the TV explodes like a bomb went off inside it. It's a great scene. There was in the closing credits in this, no Miami Vice theme, just like fade to black. Well, there's like, yeah, like freeze frames. And then you, there's like a voiceover of, of uh, Zito going like, like, what did you do that for? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I did have the weird kind of out of, uh, yeah, out of context voiceover. But yeah, yeah it was a fun episode, you know, fun. So, yeah. Some visual interesting stuff. I enjoyed it. And I don't think there's another Phil Collins episode, but it seems like they leave room for it. Yeah, I don't believe there is. Um, okay. Don't, like I said, this is the one of the most famous, uh, cameos in this show just because yeah. that guy was pretty well known and actually this actually helped his career hugely so yeah i mean yeah it's like yeah the in the air of the night you know scene is super famous so yeah 
So he's like he's so closely associated with the show, and he's had like three songs on in the show already. So but yeah, for some reason, like I vaguely remember this episode, like because I've seen the reruns when I was a kid, but I just basically don't remember them whatsoever because I was really young. Yeah. So for some reason, in my head, I had somewhere in my head. It was like I thought like Phil Collins and and like Elvis the Alligator interacted at some point, but no, nah, it was just a mix up in my head. So. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of uh, yeah, it's a lot of there's a lot of things I misremembered about this too, but I watched this again like in the early two thousands. Yeah, um, so it's like some of it's a little fresher to me, but yeah, but again, this is one of those look. shows that was a seminal show for its time. <laughs> Well, if you like what you heard, and and how couldn't you? Uh, you can find us at anchor.fm slash Verhoeven Effect or go to verhoeveneffect.com. goes to the same place. Or find it on whatever plat- podcast platform of your choice. You can rate our podcast. You can rate it whatever you want, but the only thing the algorithm listens to is the highest rating. And remember, you control the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't control you. Uh, at verhoeveneffect.com, we also have listener support where you can for a monthly stipend you can support this podcast for 99 cents 4.99 or 9.99 uh we can also find us at twitter at fairhoven effect facebook fairhoven effect uh we also have a uh, youtube channel uh, american greed factory where you can watch both this show and that show live and unedited and we also have t-shirts at blowthecollar.com slash greed factory so for the verhoven effect podcast i'm common and i'm nathan goodbye america